This is the Hypothetically Sound Podcast. Hosted by Alec, Randy, and Xavier. Where we take a hypothetical look at the world around us. Exploring the what-ifs, maybes, and how-comes. Join in on the unfiltered, raw, and real conversation as we explore the world around us. Welcome back to Hypothetically Sound. Hope you guys are having a great day. And thank you again for tuning in to one of our podcasts. Today, you guys are in for a treat. A unique episode, and by a treat, I mean you just get to listen to me, Randy, talk by myself for the next like 20 plus minutes. Uh, why am I by myself? Uh, because I wanted to talk about something that was very personal to me, something that helped me become the person I am today, and honestly, is the reason I'm alive today. Uh, I want to talk to you guys about a group I was in in high school called the SOS Player Skits Outreach Services. It was a nonprofit theater company, team theater company that traveled around the nation doing shows um, on teen issues like drugs, alcohol, pregnancy, depression, bullying, cyberbullying, uh, sadness, anything you can think of. We had a skit for it. And if we didn't have a skit for it, we would write one. Um, it was a cool group. It was started in 1990 by a woman named June Erdman. Uh, she was a very big theater person in the Hudson, Wisconsin area where the group was founded and where it was located for most of its lifetime. Uh, she took some kids that she knew from theater and the area. They went in her basement, wrote the first skits and started performing them. Uh, and so it went from 1990 to about 2017, 2018, I believe, and no longer exists now, unfortunately. Uh, but it had a good life. And it was a very unique thing. There are other things like that in Minnesota. Uh, but what made ours unique was it was teens talking to teens. Uh, we would go to high schools. We would go to churches. We would go to uh, conferences. We would go to... I think we performed in a hospital once. We performed all over any place that they could have uh, enough space for us to put up our backdrop and have our boxes, um, which was our set. Uh, we would perform. And it, it was a, an amazing time of my life. I literally look back on it all the time. It shaped who I was. I made a lot of friends that shaped who I am. A lot of role models who helped me become a better person, a better man. Um, so yeah, I want to let you guys into that part of my life. Uh, this is going to be part one of hopefully three more episodes, if not more. I have done interviews with some friends who used to be in the group, and I just talked to them about their time in the group, how they felt about it, looking back now, what they remember, and things like that. And it was really fun talks. Uh, so as long as they give me the green lights, we will be you will be hearing those in the next upcoming weeks. Uh, but for now, you get to listen to me talk about my time uh, with the group, some things I was going through when it all started, uh, things I go through now, looking back, how it's shaping me, and things like that. So I hope you guys enjoy, and uh, let's get into it. So, uh, like I said, it started in 1990, and I joined the group in uh, 2006. Uh, but we had to back up a little bit. So in 2004, I started high school, freshman, 14-year-old. And I went to Wyzetta High School in Minneapolis, or Wyzetta, Minnesota, near Minneapolis, Minnesota. And Wyzetta was incredible. 
I remember the first time going and looking at the school. I thought like we were we went over this little bridge that took you to the land that the high school was on because it had its own land, and I thought it was a mall because it was so big. It, the school was so big; it was four stories, like literally wider than Super Walmart's. Uh, each class, so freshman, sophomore, junior, uh, senior, had their own floor plus gyms plus they have cafeterias. Uh, they had their seniors football field, a junior football field, and then two more football fields in like a back area, plus baseball fields, eh, a hockey rink. It it was incredible. Nothing I had ever seen uh, so far at that point in my life, like growing up in Minneapolis. Like the schools there are big, but like the schools in Minneapolis that I was used to looked more like like old buildings that were just turned into school. Uh, so it was incredible there. Uh, I played football. It was fun. I took some really interesting classes, got to experience some really cool things, uh, got to meet new people, new lifestyles. Uh, and by what I mean by that is <laughs> growing up in Minneapolis, like I didn't know a lot of people with a lot of money, went to YZ and everybody had money except for the kids that were bust in from low-income housing or low-income places in Minneapolis to go to school there, like myself. And so it was an interesting experience. Uh, I was excited to play football there for four years because I thought that was going to be my ticket to college because uh, they were the best school in football at the time. They had uh, uh, the, like, Marion Barber went there. His younger brother, Dominique Barber, went there. They had a lot of good kids that went and played D1 football come from that school or D2. And I was, I thought I would be next. I had a really good freshman year playing football. I was really good, uh, made a lot of friends and I was excited. And then unfortunately things happen. And my mom, uh, we lost our house, uh, got foreclosed on. And, uh, my mom decided to move to Hudson, Wisconsin, uh, I had two choices, move to Hudson, Wisconsin, or uh, go live with my dad and still go to IZ. Uh Unfortunately, at that time, I didn't have the relationship with my dad that would allow me to live with him. It just wouldn't work. Uh, and so, and I wasn't going to leave my brother because my brother wasn't going to leave my mom. Uh, <clears throat> so we moved to Hudson. Um I didn't have the greatest grades at YZ, but grades didn't impact sports at YZ at the time. Uh, so when I moved to Hudson, first thing I did was get on the football team. Uh, going in, I knew I had two Fs from my freshman year. Uh, and so I, when I went to talk to the t- football team about signing up, I brought that information up, said, yeah, hey, uh, I see in your bylaws one F is okay. Two Fs mean, or one F is like, you can't play for a certain, like couple games. Two Fs mean you can't play for the season. Uh, and so I said, does it, it didn't affect uh, eighth graders coming in to high school. And so I asked them, like, I'm transferring from a different high school. Will my grades impact me playing football here? Because at that time I did have the ability or not the ability, but my mom offered me the opportunity if I couldn't play football at Hudson, that I could have went to Woodbury or Stillwater to play football, which is what I would have done. Um, so, but they told me, yeah, you can play football. Your grades don't matter. 
blah, blah, blah. So get into the football team, make a lot of friends. It was really fun. Uh, the week of our first game, I get uh, brought in. I didn't even get brought in. The athletic director uh, found me walking in the hall and brought me into like a back hallway to tell me that I couldn't play for the season because of my grades from uh, Wyzetta. And that upset me incredibly. I, I, I wasn't a very even-tempered kid, so I got very angry very quickly uh, because I had this conversation with them about playing, uh, about my grades and being able to play for them. And I even said, I was like, yeah, you told me I could play for you. And if you would have been honest, I wouldn't be at this school right now. And so not getting in to play football really, uh, really arced me. And I felt lost. I would spend a lot of my time just listening to my music, sitting by myself. I didn't eat lunch with people. I would read books, which that I don't, I didn't mind. I, I, I'm not a very extroverted person. So like spending lunch by myself, reading books was cool to me. I enjoyed it. I got a lot of reading in, uh, but I was lost outside of school. I didn't have anything to do. So I would go home and sit there with my brother and my grandma watch TV, and there was other personal stuff going on that wasn't the best to uh, foster a good mental health. Um, and so it was a very rough time for me. Uh, and what else, on top of it, I didn't, my counselor wasn't good. Uh, I don't think my counselor knew who I was, to be honest with you. Uh, the fact that I failed two classes didn't seem to matter. Uh, to her when I was doing classes. And the reason I say that is because come my senior year, I had to take night school to make up for cl those failed classes in my freshman year because they never made, she never set up my classes to make up for it. So, like, I almost didn't graduate high school because those Fs were still there and I never had the credits to make up for them. Uh, but so I didn't get to play football that fall. And uh, that spring, so the spring of 06, uh, I started my first acting class. I had an uh, extra credit, not extra credit, but an extra class slot, and I could take an elective, and everything else was full because, again, my counselor didn't tell me certain things, didn't meet with me, and so I took intro to acting. Uh, and it was fun. I enjoyed it a lot. I enjoyed the people I was in the class with. Um, and and it, it was fun. And then summer came. I got back on the football team. I practiced, uh, but then ended up hurting myself and didn't play that fall. But fortunately for me, uh, that fall, the thing that would change the direction of my life uh, happened. Uh, SOS players came and performed at my high school. I got to see the show. I thought it was cool. I thought it was interesting. Uh, and one of the girls in it was in my acting classes. Uh, and I really enjoyed spending time with her. I thought she was a really cool girl. And being a 16-year-old boy, you know, I wanted to try to uh, date everybody I could. And so, like, I thought, hey, you know, it's an easy way of getting closer to someone, being a part of stuff they're doing. And so uh, I talked to her, and she told me that SOS Players was having auditions in a couple weeks. And I was like, yeah, let's, I'm going to do that. I'm going to go audition for this thing. What's the worst that happens? I don't get in. 
Um, and then I just keep doing what I'm already doing. Um, and so one Saturday afternoon when they were having auditions, uh, I was told to be there at 10 uh, to like hang out, see what they were about, uh, and just audition. And so I got there at 10. Uh, had my mom drop me off because I didn't have a car at the time. Uh, and I, I remember like being nervous and I didn't understand. I hadn't been nervous about anything at that point in my life, like nothing. Trying out for football, uh, talking to people, hanging I had never been nervous before in my life. But like that moment, I was nervous and I didn't understand why. And like looking back, it was because maybe like consciously, I didn't know how bad I wanted it or how much it would change my life, but subconsciously I, I had to know how important this would be for my life going forward. And so got in there and like went up and they introduced me to everybody, everybody who was there for auditions. I think there was like three or four of us. It wasn't a whole lot of people that was there for auditions. Uh and they did warm-ups and I did part of the warm-ups and played games with them. And like I tried to be as outgoing as possible. Um, because I wanted, to, I wanted to make it. I wanted to win. I wanted to be in the group. I didn't want to fail my audition. And so we did that. And then while, uh, they rehearsed their already skits, I was giving a monologue and I could go practice it. And people gave me hints and tips and talked to me. And it was, it was really friendly. It was great. I knew before I, like, before I actually did my monologue for like the directors and everything that. I wanted to be part of the group. The people were just so cool to me and they were so friendly and it, it was like they 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 acted like they wanted you to be there and that was something that at that point in my life I didn't feel that often like even with my family I always felt like I was a burden or I wasn't really part of it because like as much as I love my cousins they were still two to three, they were three to four years older than me. So I'm 13, they're 16, 17, and I'm trying to hang out with them. And like, they were cool and they let me hang out and do certain things with them. But at the same time, I always felt like a burden. Uh, and there's other things that happened with family life that made me feel like a burden. Uh, stuff going on at home made me feel like a burden. Uh, and so going to this space where People were actively searching me out, saying, good luck. We really want you here. I enjoy Like, just being super friendly was something unique and made me feel so good about myself. Because, uh, like I said, I didn't, didn't know how to feel good about myself before the group. I struggled with my weight. I struggled with acceptance. Uh, I'm not dark-skinned by any means, but I'm still, still black. Uh, I, I acted certain ways uh, that were very stereotypical. Uh, growing up in Minneapolis, I had a certain mindset, certain attitude, and I brought it even fuller to Hudson, a predominantly white school. I, I was one of six black kids in my school. Uh, and so, like, race was always a forefront with people in Hudson. And that seemed to be my character for a while and at SOS like while race was something that would come up every once in a while it wasn't a trait it wasn't anything like that 
Randy was the trait. My personality, the funny, goofy guy, uh, the loving, caring guy was the trait uh, that people looked at. Not my skin color. It wasn't, oh, there's the black kid or there goes fat Randy. It wasn't. It was just me. I got to be me. The people accepted that. And it was it was amazing. It honestly was. Um, but anyways, <laughs> I digress. Uh, got into uh, the monologue and I was like, yeah, I can do this. I had already, I took an intro to acting. I was in my second acting class. So I wasn't, I wasn't shy about acting. I knew how to not, I didn't know how to act well, but I knew how to read a monologue and perform. And so I wasn't shy about that. I practiced it. I practiced it a lot so I could memorize it. Uh, that's one thing I'm very good at is memorizing. Thank God. <laughs> uh, so it worked out for acting. So I went in there, had the monologue memorized. I performed for uh, Andy, who was the director at the time, uh, Jake, who was an intern at the time, uh, an uh, old intern named Brandon, uh, I believe, was there. So he was sat in, and uh, June Erdman sat in. Uh, and so I performed for them, and I thought it went well. They, uh, they they told me I did well. They congratulated me, saying thank you for auditioning, that type of thing. Um, and then uh, I was offered to stay. I could stay for the rest of the day, or I could go. And being like intro, like that took all my will, like that I had to like audition to be there that early. And so I did leave. But before I left, and one thing that really impacted me and told me that this is a place I wanted to be, uh, June came down as I was sitting outside, like trying to go replay everything in my mind, making sure I didn't mess up, making sure I didn't say anything dumb, uh, came and talked to me about the group, about like just her feelings about the group, asked me how I felt. And it was just a very open conversation. And it made me feel even more welcome to the group. And she told me I had got in, they were going to let me in. Uh, they really enjoyed it, thought I did a really good job, and she was excited for my future with the group and where it can go, uh, where I could go with the group and where the group could take me in it. Just having that conversation with her was amazing, and like looking back, knowing that that was the last interview she sat in or audition she sat in on uh, also touched me because that means like I was one of the last auditions she saw for SOS Players, and knowing how much the group meant to her and how much it meant to me. It was a bond that I will hold on for forever. So got into the group and started. Uh, they had rehearsals every Saturday and every Wednesday, uh, plus shows. So I didn't do shows right away. Uh, I wanted to, you know, I had to learn all of the pieces, and that took a, a month or so to every Saturday, Wednesday, going, learning the blocking, learning the lines, learning everything, learning just how things work. And then I went on a show uh, just to watch. I got to watch a show from uh, sitting next to Andy, who ran the music, who was our director. And just getting to watch it from like a learning perspective also took, took me, gave me a new perspective of the group, seeing how they set everything up. Uh, how they warmed up for the group, how the actors are doing, seeing the audience. Like from when I first watched it, I was the audience. And now I was watching the audience to see how they reacted to certain things, took note, mental notes in my head, 
uh, of oh, this worked very well with this group. Maybe it's something I can do because there was improv and stuff in the group uh, that we could do. So it, it was an interesting experience getting to watch it. And then I I remember my first show was in Minnesota, and I was so excited. I didn't do a, I didn't get a lot of roles. I didn't get any starring roles in the first one. Uh, I was a friend in a skit we called Pregnancy. Um, I'm pretty sure I was, I just held up a sign in our opening. Uh, I think my, I don't, I don't know if I had many lines. I think, no, I think I was a bully in uh, a skit we did that kind of touched on, it was called Bullying. And it was just a skit where like we would bully this kid, people, girls would bully him. And then like he would reach into a bag like there was a gun. Uh, and it was just about understanding that you don't know how the things you do is going to impact some person. And this is before school shootings were as dominant as they are now. Like when I was in group oh, from oh, 06 to 08, uh, school shootings still weren't overly dominant in culture. Uh, and so like we didn't, there wasn't a big issue about him reaching in and potentially being, we didn't say what was in the bag. We never said it was a gun. But it heavily implied that there was a gun in his bag. Uh, but anyways, that was one of the skits I did. Uh, and it was fun. It was exciting. Uh, acting gives me this feeling in my stomach that I can't get anywhere else. I am nervous. I am uh, excited. It's just a ball of energy in your stomach. And then like you think you're gonna, you can't do it. You think you're going to puke. But as soon as your foot touches that stage, it goes away and you're just clear. There's nothing else. I, I don't, there's nothing else in your mind but what you're doing, the, the character you're playing. And it goes through all acting I've done. Like, I, I, I don't know how many times that I've sat in the backseat, like, I don't know these lines. I don't know these lines. And then I get out on stage and it's just, there's nothing in my mind anymore. I'm not thinking about the lines. I'm, they just come out. I just say them. I do my part. I act and I love it. And it's a great feeling. Uh, and SOS gave me that. I I don't know if I would have ever got it uh, without SOS. Uh, but so it was crazy being a part of a group that not only changed other people's lives because it did. Like not ev- obviously not every team is going to or every person is going to take anything away from a show. Uh, but I always had this mindset, if even one person was affected by what we did, we succeeded. If we saved one person from doing drunk driving or doing too many drugs, or if we saved, helped one person go get that help, go talk to someone or help someone grieve or whatever it was that we helped them, we won. We won that day. Uh, and so people would talk to us after shows. People would send us emails and things like that or find us on Facebook, Twitter uh myspace everything and it, it was it was a great feeling um but me personally sos helped me understand more about myself than even now uh i found my first real black role model in sos i don't know if i've ever told him that but uh when i joined sos i told you brandon who was a f- former intern was there and he would show up. He was a like summer director uh, 
my first summer. He's a he was outside of like one friend and my cousins, the first like mixed person I actually knew. Uh, he was confident. He was uh, suave. He was everything. Like he was he was that dude. Uh, at least to 16, 17 year old me, he was that dude. He was everything I wanted to be. He was good at acting. He was good looking. Women loved him. Like he was it. And I just took everything I could from him. Any notes he gave me, everything he like friendship, mentorship, everything that he could offer, I took because I didn't have many in my life. Like I didn't have people that I truly thought I could look up to. And he definitely was one of those people. So thank you. If you, for some reason do end up listening to this, Brandon, I thank you, man. Uh, you made me a better person. You made me a better actor. So I really do appreciate everything you did for me. I don't know if you remember anything, but I, I appreciate you, man. Uh, and then another person, there's a, a lot of people who helped impact me from, uh, SOS. Another one's going to be Jenna, who I did an interview with. So you'll hear more from her about her and me talking to her. So I'm not going to get in to Jenna too much. Uh, but, the friendship I have with Jenna has been lifelong and uh, I love her to death. Um, so proud of everything that she's uh, become. And I'm glad that we were able to have a friendship. Um, another person that really helped me become more to become better, to understand that I could be more that I could be better was our director. And, um, Andy really took me under his wing. He was like a big brother to me. Uh, uh, he he would feed me. He would uh, help me play games with me, just talk to me. Uh, I would go over, play video games, watch movies at his house. Um, it, it really was. I think he saw that I needed something to, I needed someone to show me the way life is the way life could be and he did that for me uh it's crazy how much of an impact someone can have on your life and how years can go by without talking and then you can start talking again and it's like nothing changed uh after i left left after after i left sos in 2008 i did go back and do a couple shows um and when I was a freshman in high school, and I think I did one when I was in lacrosse my sophomore year, so 2010, I think was the last time I did a show uh, for SOS. Uh, and I think 2011 was the last time I talked to Andy. Uh, I just, I fell out of contact with a lot of people. Um, I just, I got into doing my own thing. In college, um, I had that friend group there, and I focused on school, my friends, partying, and forgot about my life before. I just, I, I don't know. I just for, moved on uh, because I, I was sad that it ended. I was hurt that it ended, and I couldn't keep doing it. And I thought the only way to get over it, get past it, and do find another passion was to just leave it all behind. So I really stopped talking to people at a certain point. Um, 
I didn't talk to Andy, uh, and I just lived my life. And then in 2020, um, a woman reached out to me that I had no clue who it was. And she was just like, Hey, yeah. Um, do you know Andy? I'm like, yeah, of course I know Andy. Uh, and ended up getting this. She ended up like calling. I gave her my number and she called me and then I talked to Andy and we reconnected. He gave me his number, uh, gave me my number. And like, it was just, we don't have like, we're not, we don't talk daily or anything like that, but every once in a while we'll shoot each other a message. Uh, I remember one day I was bowling with my brother, Alec, obviously, you know, who Alec is, uh, but I was bowling with Alec and, uh, I was just sitting there and I just get a text message from Andy that was so heartfelt that legitimately made me cry in a bowling alley. Cause he just out of nowhere. He was like, I saw this and it reminded me of you and I wanted to tell you how proud I am of you, blah, 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 Uh, all these amazingly touching things. And I just, I was shook to my core because like, you don't get stuff like that that very often. Like who goes out of their way to send you something like just a, I'm proud of you message. Like at least in my life, like my like mom or dad will say it every once in a while, but like their parents of course are going to say it but like it's i don't get a a message like that from people who aren't family very often almost never and so getting that uh, out of nowhere was just amazing because like life isn't easy like obviously it's not easy for anybody but life for me in my perspective is incredibly hard uh like i'm not as successful as i want to be like i feel like everything i've done makes me a failure because it's not as good as I think it could be or should be. And I don't know how to fix it half of the time. And I just, I get into my own head and, you know, but messages like that bring you out of it and let you know that, yeah, your work does matter. Things you've done in your life do matter. And so thank you, Andy. Again, I don't know if you'll hear this, but you saved my life. I've told you this multiple times that I'm alive because you took me under your wing. You could have just let me just be another actor in your group. Uh, let me move on with my life, but you didn't. You helped me. And then one other person that deserves a huge shout out is uh, is my best friend. Uh, while part of SOS, um, I was in his wedding. He called me out of the blue after years of not talking. Again, like certain friendships can transcend time. But that's John. John, me and him became really good friends really quickly. Um, I don't know why. <laughs> we just we became friends. We clicked. Uh, literally, we spent all if during the summer we spent almost every day together. Uh, I, I, I he fed me when I was poor, when I was homeless. He he took me places when I didn't have a car. He would just hang out. He was my best friend. He did a lot of stuff. I owe him so much. And like, hopefully one day I can just randomly surprise him with everything that I owe him. And it sucks that I haven't been able to do that yet. But again, another person who helped shape me into being a better person because I just saw how good of a person he was, how much he cared. And it it let me know that I could, caring's not bad. Like I, 
I have a full heart, open heart. I try to put people before myself. Uh, but at times, like, it does get overwhelming because it doesn't seem like that's what you're supposed to do. But then you see people who do it and you're like, yeah, yeah, I can keep doing it. So thank you, John, man. Like, I don't know if I've ever said it again, but thank you very much for everything you've done for my life, man. Again, you're another person that I've made it so that at 33, I'm still here. So thank you. Um, so yeah, you guys are going to hear a lot more, a lot of memories, a lot of like things about SOS and future episodes coming up. So I didn't want to, I'm trying to not cover the same thing you hear multiple times. Um, so I'm just going to go through a couple things that I asked them and just answer them for you guys real quick. Um, would I do it again? Yes, a hundred percent. I would love to do SOS again. Uh, I wouldn't even change anything. I like the way I did it. I thought I did it to the best of my ability. I did a lot of shows. I became a better actor. I became a better man. Um, so yeah, I, I would 100% do it again. Again, wouldn't change anything. I enjoy, enjoy it. Um, and then another question I asked them was, did SOS impact how you grew it as a dog? And yeah, uh, SOS was the reason I studied theater in college, the reason I studied uh, ethnic and racial studies in college. I wanted to make an impact the same way SOS did. Uh, throughout my time in college, while I may have not talked to people, SOS was never far from what I was doing to become a better adult. I use SOS principles in a lot of my coursework, a lot of my projects. Um, even now, I moved down to Arkansas right before the pandemic hit uh, to try to create a group similar to SOS down here in Arkansas. Uh, but again, right as we got down here and we were about to start making magic, uh, the pandemic hit, schools changed how they were running things. Um, and so it kind of fell through, but, you know, still working on the idea, still working towards making it a reality. Um, it's a long road. Got to figure out a new way to do it so it works with how uh, the younger generations work today because it's not the same as how they worked in the 90s or early 2000s. Uh, so just got to figure that out. And then um, last question I asked all of them was, do they have any negative feelings towards SOS looking back? And while there were things that add towards the end of it, weren't wasn't the greatest uh certain uh people or certain actions done by the company or in the company uh definitely left sour tastes in my mouth i didn't i don't let the negative feelings overshadow all the good times that i had with the company i'm sad the way the company ended up folding i'm sad the way the company ended up working towards the end it became and it, 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 it's like anything. It becomes about the money because you need the money to do the show. But it felt like who SOS was was changing to fit what they thought would make money instead of being who we were and using that as a resource to get money. Uh, so it's just unfortunate how sometimes the world works. Uh, a lot of kids are missing out on at least in the Hudson area, are missing out on a life-changing opportunity. Uh, kids are missing out on a life-changing opportunity of seeing the show. Uh, so, yeah, it's definitely sad, but 
I don't have any regrets. I don't have any overwhelming negative feelings when I look back. Most of my looking back is in pure joy and thankfulness that I was even a part of the company in the first place. Um, but yeah, like I said, more episodes are coming soon. Um, I'm sorry if I just ramble and it's lost. And if you don't understand enough about the company, um, I'm sure you will in more episodes. And then I'll probably do uh, a follow-up episode once all of the SOS-related episodes come out. So I just want to thank you guys for taking the time to uh, listen to this episode, um, listening to me talk for however long this has been. as always, you can find us on all social media sites at hypotheticallysound.com or hypotheticallysound.com. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, all of that, Hypothetically Sound, or DM uh, XXVIII, which is DM28, our clothing brand. Uh, you can find us on Redbubble under DM28 if you want to support the podcast, if you want to support me and Alec and Xavier. Uh, they're great designs. Um, find us on Podbean or anywhere you listen to podcasts. We're everywhere. Um, so until next time, thank you guys again for taking the time to listen to this episode. I hope you have a wonderful day. Deuces. Thank you for listening to Hypothetically Sound. We hope you enjoyed the episode. All episodes can be found at hypotheticallysound.podbean.com, as well as on Apple, Spotify, and Pandora. For full unedited video versions of the podcast, please visit us at youtube.com slash hypotheticallysound.